We know that God is not a liar. God never lies. He will not lie to any of us. And what the law, what the Bible says is we should ask and we should receive all that we ask in prayer. So what's going on? Because James tells the people in in the uh, verse we just read, James said, you, uh, you don't ask for the simple reason that you don't ask God. Now, a lot of people will disagree with that because they're thinking, of course, I ask God. I mean, I pray up to God all the time, but what's going on? Well, how come I'm, I'm not receiving? And then James says, on the other hand, you ask, but you don't receive because you're asking for the wrong reasons. So this morning, we're talking about selfish motives. Selfish motives. Unfortunately, selfish motives are being promoted so much in Christianity today. Selfish motives are being promoted a lot. You know, people, uh, God and Christ Jesus, our Lord, are being uh, presented to people as magicians in the heavenly realms who are there to, at our beck and call, to do as we please, to give us whatever we ask for, even out of selfish ambition and out of covetousness. You know, they're there to perform signs and wonders and miracles for us as we desire. But that is not the situation at all. That is not the situation. I've got, we've got to be really wary of the teachings we follow these days because the ranks of Satan have infiltrated the Church of Christ Jesus. They are so much amongst us. And there's nothing new about that that we shouldn't be taken by surprise because we have uh, several warnings in the Word of God that we should be alert to the, to the presence of demons amongst us who will come and try and pervert the Word of God. And we've got a lot of people like that. And the Bible does say that the time will come when people, out of the selfishness of our hearts, will gather around us a large number of people, of teachers, to teach us what we want to hear, as opposed to what God is, is saying to us. So we're in the situation now in the world where there's much deception everywhere we turn and the sound doctrine of Jesus Christ is not being taught as a child anymore. Very rarely now will you hear a minister preach about the kingdom of God and hell. You know, people want to deny that. Nobody wants to talk about it. Very rarely will you have ministers preaching about death and preparing you for death as a matter of fact. I mean, nobody wants to talk about it. I remember there was a time, uh, two, two Decembers ago, and I went evangelizing in the market, as I do. And um, I had actually written a tract because it was uh, Christmas heading to New Year. And I'd written a tract entitled, Death, Are You Ready? <laughs> and um, there was a particular lady who I was preaching and handing out the tract. And this, uh, this lady, you know, uh, received the tract from me, stood in front of me for a minute, looked at the child and said, Oh, no, I don't want to hear death. Am I ready? No, I don't want to hear that. I said, well, you're going to have to. She said, no, no, no. This is a happy season for me. It's Christmas and I don't want any misery. I don't want to hear anything miserable. So I said, you think so? So what happens if you do not actually see Christmas Day? And she looked me straight in the eyes like, are you out of your mind? I said, no. The thing is that she didn't quite say that, but you could tell the look. You know, she's cowered at me like, what? So I said, well, that's the thing, you see. We must not walk through each day thinking we're in control of situations. We're not in control of a thing. I'm not even in control of this minute. If it is not God's will, I will not be here within the next hour. I mean, his will must be done. And any true child of God knows there's nothing to be terrified of when we talk about death. But people just don't like to hear about it. I mean, I'm prepared. I'm ready. Whenever God is willing, I'm willing. 
Because let's face it, I look forward to seeing face to face my Lord and my Master, whom I have spent my few years in in the world serving. I cannot wait to see Christ Jesus. I cannot wait to see the splendor and the majesty of heaven. I really can't. Believe me, I can't. But for the time being, I've been put here to work, so I'll carry on working so that I can receive a rich welcome. Now, let's come back to where, where we were. So people are not being told the truth anymore. And um, I, I, it's interesting because what we have, a lot of uh, ministers nowadays, a lot of preachers, now understand the fact that a person is standing on the pulpit, the fact that a person is leading the church, the fact that a person has got a great number of followers does not qualify them as a servant of God because that is Satan's biggest tactic. He uses these people as decoys. They look real. They speak the truth alongside the lies. So... People are taken in by them and people are following them. And so for that reason, they are able to, to uh, mesmerize the people with a lot of counterfeit miracles and signs and wonders. As the Bible warns us, these things will happen. They've been happening since the first century uh, Christians. They're happening now. They will always happen until the end of time. So uh, they tell us lovely things that, things that interest us. They will even work you up into an emotional state. Where time to start picking out the problems you have, you think, oh, he's talking to me. No, he's not talking to you. I can assure you. The problems he's talking about, oh, yeah, you have no savings. You've worked all your life. You've been praising and fasting and nothing's happening. It's the devil's on your, uh, on your case and some in-law somewhere. You've got your grandfather or your grandmother's curse of heritage tormenting you. These are all nothing but myths. They're nothing but myths. Because there is no problem that any of us has that is exclusive to us. Some people have been through exactly the same thing and worse. Some people are going through the same thing and worse, and some people will go through it and worse. So when a person is talking about, oh, yes, you, your health has been suffering for a long time. You've been everywhere. You spent all of your money, all of you've, all you've ever saved or earned. You spent it on this sickness. Yes, it's not, yet it's not going. Today, we're going to have your release. Yeah, right. The thing is, you're not the only one. A lot of people are going through sicknesses that they've spent a lot of money and time on. So you think they're talking to you exclusively? No. These things, it's just pure psychology. That is, we all have the same common problems all over the world. The Bible makes it clear that there is no temptation or trial that will come upon you that is not common to man. That's the thing. So, you should not get carried away. But you want to hold on to sound doctrine. So now, they will peel up uh, verses for you. Matthew 7, verses 7 to 8, we say, ask and uh, you shall find, you shall be given, seek, and you shall find, knock, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and all that. And then they will tell you things like, uh, we should, you know, uh, third John uh, chapter 4, uh, verse 4, I think. It says, uh, uh, brethren, I wish that you will prosper even as your soul prospers. Okay, fine. Fair enough. These are, these are the words of God. It's absolutely true. And Jesus also says to us in, in John chapter 15, verse 7, he says, if you, re, you know, if you remain in me, ask anything in my name and it will be given to you. So where then is the problem of unanswered prayers? Because I see a lot of that. Because if people were not wallowing so much unanswered prayers, why the uh, quest for miracles all the time? Why the incessant chasing after breakthroughs all the time? Why? Why do we go? We have to attend all these crusades all the time. I mean, some people will go to church seven days a week. They're still fasting ceaselessly. They're looking really, really sick with their fasting and all. And yet, these prayers are not being answered. I mean, is God a liar? Now, the Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. God does not lie to us. He does not 
uh, deceivers by any account. He's able, more than able to do anything that we ask. He's more than able to do. When what can we ask God? This is the God of the universe, the God of the heavens. He owns everything. He's got everything in his hands to give to his children. Yet, we ask certain things and we don't get it. People have been having the same prayer point for years and years and years and nothing's happening still. James says, you ask and you do not receive because you're asking with, the, with wrong motives in mind. That you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Now, this brings us to the truth. That whatever we ask in accordance with God's word will be given to us. So, when people bring out certain pieces or extracts of scripture to you, understand one thing. It is not enough. And then you stand in there praying, going, I stand on the authority of the word of God. That says I should ask and receive. Yes. When it's a good thing to stand on the authority of the word of God. We have to do that. However, we don't just stand on, on, on extracts of it. This is where my point is going. You cannot just stand on the bits you pull out that are favorable. The bits that's been taught to you that are favorable. You want to stand on the entire word of God. The entire word of God. Now, what Jesus says in John chapter 15, which I mentioned earlier, verse 7. He did say that whatever you ask in his name will be given to you. Or whatever we ask in his name will be given to us. So fine. However, what Jesus said, let's understand. From the beginning of that chapter, always take the word of God as wholesome. Don't just pick out favorable extracts because that way you deceive yourself. And what's going to happen is you do not get the results that you desire. When we pick up, Jesus had said quite a few things before he built up to that particular statement that whatever you ask will be given to you. First, he tells us, he starts in chapter uh, verse uh, 1, saying, I'm the true vine. You have to remain in me. Every branch that does not bear fruit is cut off. But every branch that bears fruit, he says, my father, who is the gardener, prunes that he may bear much more fruit. He says, remain in me. And I will, abide, I will remain in you. With, outside of me, you can do absolutely nothing. And then he says, he carries on, and he says to us also in verse 7, if, if, now understand, if is a condition. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. That's exactly what the condition there. If you remain in me. Before that, he, he built up to that particular promise by telling us how we should stand with him, how we must, simply must be obedient, how we must imbibe his character, his righteousness, his holiness. And it says when you are that kind of person, that means you are a person who is living your life for the glory of God, not for your selfish purposes. That way, he says, you will ask anything and it will be given to you, he says, because in this way, this is to my father's glory, verse 8, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Are you a fruit-bearing Christian? Because if you're a fruit-bearing Christian, I can assure you, God will make sure that you do not run out of nutrients because you've, con you've got to continue bearing fruit for his glory. And that's what Jesus said, that whatever branch in me that remains in me that bears fruit, my father prunes so that he can bear even much more fruit. He says he can bear much more fruit, but he says apart from me, you can do nothing. We have a lot of people who live apart from Christ Jesus. I'm not talking about them believers now. I'm talking about Christians who live apart from Jesus Christ, and yet, so they're not productive, but they want Jesus to deliver all on, on his promises. 
It's not going to happen. He is not our employee. That is one thing we have to understand. And he's not a magician in the heavenly realms, waiting there with his magic wand to do as we command. It is not possible. If there's one thing I cannot stand, it is when I hear preachers telling people they can command God. It is not done. You are the subject. God is supreme. He is master. He is God Almighty. He is the Father. We do not command. No child of of mine can command me to do a thing for them. They have to ask me, and they have to ask me politely. They have to ask me in humility. They've got to ask me properly. And then, and then, it doesn't end there. My response to them will depend greatly on how they have responded to my training and discipline. A disobedient child cannot get a thing out of me, I can assure you of that. So, that is the thing. This is exactly the situation it is with God. We cannot walk outside of his counsel and expect him to deliver on everything we ask. Because we don't know nothing. But when when you live your life for the glory of God, of course, he makes all things abound to you. This is why Jesus says to us in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, he said, Seek you first the kingdom of God and its righteousness and everything else. Everything else will be added unto you. Everything else you need in life. Everything else you need to survive this life. Everything else you need in your journey. But first you have to understand that you are on a journey to glorify God. Not a journey to come here and achieve all sorts of things for yourself because the world is doing so. Or because you you want to measure yourself by the parameters of the world. You want to measure your status by the parameters of the world. You want to measure, measure your achievements by the standards of the world. That's why James said, do you not know, you adulterous people, that friendship with the world is hatred towards God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. You become an enemy of God when you want to do the things the pagans are doing. Jesus said very clearly, he said, the pagans run after this. What shall we drink? What shall we wear? What shall we eat? He said, the pagans run after these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them. God understands you need good health so he can do his work. He understands that you need money so you can get about. He understands you need shelter. He knows you need food. He knows He knows all those things. We don't know any more than God. We're not smarter than him. Whereby we're thinking, are you blind to my needs? No, he's not blind to anyone's needs. And Jesus made this very, very clear. Now, can we take the word of Jesus? Uh, can we take the word of uh, 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 minister in the world over the words of Christ Jesus himself when he said to us take your eyes off the things of the world don't worry about all these worldly situations and conditions God knows exactly what your situation is and he's more than able to make all things abound to you but seek you first his kingdom and its right and his righteousness and everything else will be given you the average Christian today wants to seek first everything else and they want the kingdom of God and righteousness added unto them it's not going to work. It is not going to work. And this is what, where frustration comes in. The frustration of unanswered prayers. The ceaseless chasing after great prophets and great pastors and great ministers. No one is great except Jesus Christ our Lord. No one is good except God our Father. But now you want to chase after all these things. You see the numbers, you know, vast numbers, and ooh, that attracts you. You have been attracted by things of the world. You've been attracted by Satan. God is willing. He wants to answer your prayers. But are you the sort of child that brings him glory? Are you a child he can be proud of? You have to be a child God can be proud of. A child that God waits to make all things abound to that you may continue the good works 
that he has assigned for you to do. He has had his plans of good works for all of us from the beginning, from when he created us. But what man has gone in search of many schemes? Solomon said, this I know. God made mankind upright, but man has gone in search of many schemes. He does not lie to us when he says that we should ask and we should receive. But if you, well, you have to ask in accordance with his will. Because Jesus made that particular promise about asking, seeking, and knocking. He made that in um, Matthew 7, 7. And, but understand one thing. That also was built up to. That sermon, that was part of the Sermon on the Mount. Started in, which started in, uh, starts in chapter 5 of Matthew. And Jesus had taught a lot of things about how we can become holy and righteous, obedient children. How we can emulate his character. How we can be the sort of children that God delights to bless. And in saying all that, it's part of his teachings. He said, then ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. When you want to stand on the word of God, stand on the total word of God. Every letter of it. Stand on the word of God, holy. Don't just say, I claim, I know I'm going to heaven because Jesus says so, so. Because the Bible says that I'm a royal priesthood, I'm a holy nation. Yeah, the Bible says so. But also stand on the word that the Bible says. If you're disobedient, you end up in hell. Stand on it totally. That way, you will keep yourself in check. That way, you will conform to godliness and Jesus' unrighteousness, not your own. That way, you will be careful to watch your ways. To make sure that in all things you are absolutely obedient. Look at this. The Bible says to us in, um, in Psalm 37 verse 4. It says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. Now, people love that. They love to claim that God has said he will give us our heart's desires. However, let's look at the first part of it. It says, delight yourself in the Lord. That's a condition. If you delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you your heart's desires. Yes, because that is what God is there for. That's what he wants to do. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. How do you delight yourself in the Lord? It's not just by attending church six days a week and uh, sowing all kinds of seeds and such. You know, God is not really impressed with our giving if we are disobedient. He's not interested in our giving if we are disobedient. If you think that is a lie, go and read all of Isaiah chapter 1. Then you'll find that God is not impressed. We do not pay him for anything. Because unfortunately, a lot of teachings, false teachings these days are sort of projecting the um, image that, oh, they're sorry, promoting the idea that if you give to God, you get something back in return. Your purpose for giving your mo must not be because of what you want to get out of God. Exchange by barter. God does not do that. He does not. Your giving must be out of love for God. Out of reverence for God. Because it does not matter how much. If I put a million... In the in, in the church coffers today, if I had a million to spare. But if I did put a million in, God is not going to come down to collect it, is he? He's not going to come down to spend it, is he? Of course not. It's going to be there to be used. Well, it should be in an ideal world. You know, what what the, uh, the instruction we have, it really should be spent on those people who are less privileged. It's not so in a lot of cases, but it is so in a lot of cases also because we have some beautiful churches and beautiful charities who are actually out there and they're doing the work of God as they should, taking care of the underprivileged, the widows, the orphans, the sick, the needy, be they believers or not. However, we have the other side of it, you know, Satan's own envoys who take advantage of every penny that comes into the, into the ministry and uh, enrich themselves. You know, there's wolves in sheep's clothing. 
they're a topic of another day. I talk about them all the time anyway. But I'm saying your giving should be as a result of your love for God. God has been so good to you that, and I'm not saying that this is when you're rich and wealthy. No, but God is so good to you. He's, he's given so much for you in Christ Jesus. You love God so much that whatever you have, however little, however much, that's what I'm saying. It's not necessarily until you've got the prosperity that you think that you, that's when you start being generous. No, from the very little you have, you are willing to share. You want to happily share with others because you are a part of the life of God. You are a part of the life of Christ. Remember the widow, the, the poor widow who gave in the synagogue. She gave all she had to have penny coins was all she gave. And everybody else was giving, were giving abundantly out of their wealth. But she gave a last two copper coins. And Jesus says she's giving more than anyone else in here today because she gave out of the little that she had. She gave all that she had, actually. So, you see, it's not until, you know, a lot of people are full of all ridiculous promises to God saying, oh, you know, God, when you do this for me, then I'll do that for you. Or if you do this for me, if you bless me and prosper me and I'm so rich and wealthy, I'll build a church for you and all that nonsense. God does not need anything from you or I. He needs nothing. He is the one that makes all things abound to us. He is the one that gives us everything. So we've got nothing to threaten him with. So, you see, you better get your asking in line with ease, with, with God's plans. And that's why the Bible says... Delight yourself in the Lord. A person who delights themselves in the Lord is one who loves the Lord. One who is eager to obey God. One who is eager to please God. You know, one whose heart burns with so much passion for Christ. That is a person who delights himself in the Lord. One who is so happy about the laws of God. And Psalm 119 is such an amazing love letter to God. Well, the preacher, the, the writer says a lot of things like, oh, I delight in your laws. I love your laws. I just love to obey you. That's a person who delights himself in God. If you do that, the Bible says it will not deny you the desires of your heart because your desires will be in line with this plan for you. You will not be a confused person. Too many Christians are confused out there. They don't know what God's plan is for them because they keep imagining that, it's got to, that God's plan and purpose has got to be is got to be somewhere. It's got to involve them being rich and wealthy or having a serious position in church or, or having a ministry of their own. A lot of people want to lead churches nowadays. They want to be pastors just for selfish reasons because the things are prestigious then. It's a good money-making venture. Believe me, serving God is not an easy thing. It is a life of absolute self-denial. It is no joke. I am telling you. If you want to serve God in spirit and in truth, you find that it's not something you, you run after. It's something you are called to do. And you say when you are called, you have no choice. You have to answer it. It's not easy because you have to separate yourself from the world. Totally. Absolutely. You've got to be an absolute non-conformer in, in this present world. You will stand out. You stick out like a sore thumb. You will stand out. You have to stand out for Christ. While everybody is saying yes, you are saying no. When everybody's going to the right, you are going to the left. Why? Because you are serving God. Because you are obeying God. But what we have in nowadays, everybody wants to be a minister and everybody's heading in the same direction. They're chasing after having great big crowds and also, and they go to any lengths to do that and stand on the pulpit and blot out lots and lots of lies. No, you want to delight yourself in God. He will give you desires of your heart. But believe me, you've got to be totally submitted. Let's look. Uh, in conclusion, that's uh, Psalm 1, verse 1 to 3. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night.
He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. There you go. Is that not what we all want? Absolutely. We want everything we lay our hands on to prosper. You know, we want to have the Midas dot. That everything we lay our hands on turns to gold. Fair enough. Yes, it's not a bad thing, because through that, if everything we lay our hands on prospers, through that, you know, it's not all about money. Prosperity comes in various forms. But through that, people will look at us and desire to be like us. And by that doing, when we are actually like Christ, and people are desiring to be like us, that means they're desiring to be like Christ. This is how we're supposed to draw people close, draw people into the kingdom, through our lives. Our lives have got to be living examples, shining examples. We're supposed to glow as lights in the darkness of this world. But however... Before you can get to that level, the Bible says, you will be, have to be a person who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. You do not stand in the way of sinners. You absolutely detest sin. You do not sit in the seat of mockers where you keep yourself pure, blameless. Your heart is pure towards all things and all peoples. And you delight in the law of the Lord. You meditate on the law of the Lord day and night. A person who meditates on the law of the Lord day and night, who delights in the law of God, is a person who is obedient. Because that's all it is. That's what drives your life. Everything you do is in accordance with the word of God, with the laws of God. You, find, you don't find the laws of God burdensome, as a lot of people do, but you find them a delight. A delight. I love chapter of uh, Psalm 19, what it says about the word of God, the laws of God. It's awesome and it's true. It is beautiful. That way, the Bible says, you will be like a tree that is planted by streams of water. You know what that means? You never dry out. You always have all that you need. Just as Jesus said, hundreds and hundreds of years later, on, that if you seek for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, everything else will be added onto you. You don't have to seek after everything else. It will simply be added to you you see and it says your leaves are not wither whatever you do will prosper you will yield your fruit in season so you see stop wasting energy on fr uh, on fruitless prayers and efforts begin now to concentrate your energy on pleasing God and delighting in his laws begin now to spend all your energy and effort on obeying God he will give you the strength to do everything that he's asked you to do. He will give you the strength to live as an obedient child. And believe me, you watch God bless your life. Watch him prosper you in the way he chooses. And when God gives you, when God prospers you, nothing, no one, no powers can bring you down. I'll leave it there for today. My name is Sarah Jola Emanuel. As I said, I'm the minister of Living Word Church. We, we meet every Sunday, 10 a.m. to 12 noon, at St. Luke's Church Center, Roscoe Street, off White Cross Street, London, EC1. That's the Old Street, Barbican area of London. And we meet there 10 a.m. to 12 noon. Our church website is livingwatchurch.co.uk and our email address is livingwatchurch at btinternet.com. Until the next time, may the Lord richly bless you.